Cam Thomas is averaging 28 points per game. <laughs> uh, we're living in the upside down where Zach Collins is better than DeAndre Ayton. It's the Boris Dirk podcast. I'm really sorry, Luca. I want to start with this. Uh, I got lost in the grad school grind last week. It's happened to all of us. And I lost a name. I lost Dallas setting up my rankings. It was the worst thing that's happened to me since we started this podcast. Max put me on the spot and I dropped them in at nine, I think. I'd like to believe with a little more time, I would have put Luca alone over some of those some of those teams, namely the Wolves. I had the no, I had the Wolves slotting a 10 behind the Mavs. But yeah. I mean, now that the Clippers have have hardened, I'm definitely putting the Mavs above them. I just wanted to say sorry to Dallas. I fucked up. Um sometimes you delete the names and they never re-enter the dock, and I feel horrible about it. Um and Luca's making me hate myself. Because is 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 Luca four or five games in the MVP uh, odds leader right now? I mean, I, I feel like he should be. I don't know if he's the odds leader. He's certainly the if the season ended today, he'd be the MVP. But I don't know if anyone expects the Mavs to keep up this, you know, a thousand percent or uh, yeah, what thousand percent win percentage. But uh, yeah, he's got to be the guy right now. Here's a question. I've been thinking a lot also just about how incredible. Uh, some of these like Hall of Famers in the second half of their 30s have looked. And like LeBron at 38, Steph and KD at 35, just looking like themselves. Not, you know, Steph's actually looked as good as ever. Yeah. Um, LeBron, <laughs> LeBron and KD, not quite at the peak of their powers, but still yeah. elite. A minus um, B plus versions of themselves. Like LeBron turns 39 in under two months. And Last night, he took over against the Clippers. He went God mode in the fourth quarter. What do you make of this? Are these guys outliers? Is this modern medicine? Uh, all of the above? I mean, it's it, it definitely makes the the Bucks feel better about paying Damian Lillard deep into his 30s, that these guys are looking like this. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, honestly. I mean, we see some guys fall off. Like, I mean, I think with Steph and KD, they always had games that we sort of thought would age well just because of the insane shooting ability. I think same for Dame. Um, And KD doesn't sort of take the physical pounding he used to, doesn't go to the basket as much as he used to, which I think has kind of come back to bite him in the playoffs the last few years. But I mean, the LeBron stuff is just insane. The fact that he was, you know, with a healthy Paul George and Kawhi playing really high level basketball. And he was still like the clear alpha dog on the court was insane. Um, And like catching high lobs in overtime, like 40 minutes into, into that, into the game in terms of his minutes, it's just nuts. And yes, Steph looks as good as he's ever looked. And I don't know, it's certainly more encouraging for, for guys like Dame. Um, I'm trying to think of other examples, but you know, Paul George is have playing some of the best basketball he's ever played yeah. to start this season. Kawhi, Kawhi and Spurs looks elite. I, he he dominated the first half of yesterday's game. Like if you watch the first quarter of Clippers Lakers, the Lakers were a disaster. Like it it looked like it was going to be one of those really disappointing like thirty point deficits by halftime, and the game kind of ends early. Yeah, um, I mean, I just on that, I was listening to. Uh, I think it was Nick Wright today or something. I sometimes listen to him on my lunch break. It's, I did not know that his hair still had this <laughs> volume. I mean, it's, it's been a it's been a crazy comeback player of the year type hair performance for Nick Wright. I know. Uh it's still growing. But uh he brought up Kobe. His last playoff game was when he was 33 years old. And he tore his Achilles in that 12-13 season when he was 34. And Curry's 35, KD's 35, LeBron's about to turn 39. And yeah, Steph looks as good as he's ever looked. KD's still going strong. LeBron's still going strong. Like, yeah, just to put into context a little bit how insane that is, like, it, it's crazy the longevity these guys are showing. And it's yeah. why there's so much talent in the league, too. Exactly. They're just not getting the fuck out. Yeah. And when, 
when LeBron and KD embraced each other after what was it game two um I just got chills I was like this feels like I'm not saying KD is like the a top three player in the history of basketball but it like it felt like a Federer Nadal hug like I was just like god these are these are absolute gods and and I don't know how much longer we get to see them competing under the same roofs and uh yeah, it's a blessing. We're all witnesses. Yeah. The LeBron stuff is truly another level because guys, Hall of Famers, like top 15 guys ever have been great in their mid thirties for LeBron to be an elite athletic presence on the verge of 39. I'm going to be telling my kids about this stuff. I know. And I don't know if it's because he's back in the 23, but it just looks, he just looks more athletic. Maybe he is, but I, I'm having trouble remembering what he looked like at the beginning of last season. I'm remembering sort of, you know, after he tore his tendon in his foot or whatever happened, LeBron, but just seeing him back in the 23, it feels feels right again. Um, speaking of elite players, I think as long as the Nuggets have their starting five, they're going to be pretty unstoppable. Uh, yeah. We saw them completely dismantle the Lakers on night one of the season. They looked awesome. And I think they won their first four games and they just lost to Minnesota the other night or something, but all that stuff about like, I mean, Jokic, I think is still my, the favorite to win the MVP just because they're going to win so many games and everyone's finally gotten over the whatever playoff hesitancy they had with him, which was kind of always ridiculous, but at least now there, there's no argument for it. The Murray all NBA case is looking strong. And then the other thing with them is their bench actually might be better than it was last year, which I thought they might have one of the worst benches in the league coming into this season, but Christian Brown looks good. And Peyton Watson in the games I've watched, he is someone to watch on their bench where in every game I've watched, he's made a wow block where he just rotates from the weak side and like spikes a shot into the third row. And yeah. he's not someone who I scouted coming out a couple years ago. He was sort of past my radar, but he looks like a real player for them and someone who can fill that kind of do it all forward off the bench role uh, that I didn't think they had. Yeah. Super impressed by the nuggets. Nothing to add. I, I feel good about picking them to win it all this year. They've done nothing to, to discourage us. Uh, I think, do you have, do you have any feelings on, Yours, you know, who did you have at the top of the West after the Nuggets? Did you have Suns two and Lakers three? I actually had Phoenix one, Suns two, Warriors three, mm-hmm. Lakers four. Yeah, um, but not feeling as good about the Suns because you've got three stars with fairly extensive injury histories. Booker less than the other two, but Beal and KD certainly extensive injury histories, and. Yeah. It's feeling a little like, okay, they'll be back, you know, they're day to day, week to week, but like, when are we actually going to see this team? And I'm not super sold on the supporting cast. Like sure. Nurkic has had some good offensive nights, but we saw like against the Lakers when it came down to it, LeBron looked at him and was just like food. <laughs> uh, and we saw it uh, in, in a few different games where, like a Steph as well. Like he just, he's not going to do anything to control drivers uh, at all. And he's not going to stand a chance against Jokic in the playoffs and the rest of their bench. No one's super reliable. The look good, but don't, not, don't necessarily trust his shot to hold up. So I think the Suns. I'm a little less bullish on than I was early in the season, as far as their regular season potential. And then in the playoffs, we'll see. I was already a little hesitant on them just because of, how much they rely on kind of mid-range jumpers and things like that. But maybe they'll throw Book and Beal out there and it'll just be like, oh, these are three of the best shooters in the league and it just sort of works itself out. But I'm a little uneasy on them, I'd say. Uh, There have been a couple guys who have underwhelmed. Uh, The first name that comes to mind is is Paolo Bancaro. He's been doing a lot of things as a playmaker for them. uh, And I'm not too worried yet. I just thought the scoring would come a little more easily for him thus far. I have him in like four different fantasy leagues and he's kind of fucking me over. Do you have any thoughts? I know you've been immersed in the magic basketball Twitter community these last couple of days. Uh, Jalen Suggs has been getting a lot of love and I'm just so glad Max has come around on him. Not that you were ever against him, 
How do you feel about Paolo from the magic ball you've seen? Yeah. I mean, first of all, just the amount of regular season that I feel like has been thrown in my face over the first week. Has it been of basketball games has just been insane. Like just feels like trying to drink from a waterfall, (laughs) like Niagara falls. Like it's just, there's so much to sort through. So yeah, today we're just going to kind of run through a bunch of observations that we've had just kind of willy nilly, but yeah, with Orlando, I've watched him a few times. The thing that, I mean, their defense is incredible. They have one of the best defenses in the league thus far with their starting lineup of Fultz, Suggs, Franz, Paolo, and Carter, just so much size, so much athleticism, but Paolo. Yeah. It's, it's a little, uh, I kind of compared a little to how it's looked so far to Jason Tatum's year two, where everyone kind of expected him to take a big jump. And instead he had a bit of a weird kind of, shot selection stagnation type of year again it's four games in so or five games in so we'll see how it goes from here but yeah paolo is for someone who i comped to blake griffin coming out of college i wish he would rely on his physical tools a little bit more than he does and it's tough because it's not a healthy spacing environment for as good as their defense is their offense can be really stilted at times in the half court with fultz not being a three-point shooter. Suggs has shown improvement, but teams still don't treat him like one. Same with Paolo. And people are only going to pay so much attention to Wendell Carter and Franz. So he definitely relies a little too much on these mid-range pull-ups right now, which is kind of tanking his efficiency and that shot's not falling for him. But, you know, I'm not overly concerned, but I do want to see him try to rely on his physical tools a little bit more. Maybe try to put some lineups out there that, surround him with a little bit more shooting though there's not much shooting at all on the magic roster in general but overall i have been very impressed with their defense and i think he's made some strides on that end even if his offense isn't quite where it should be yeah the magic are looking a lot like what you had predicted five games in they're they're 10th in defensive rating and 23rd in offensive rating um the defense is keeping them in games and uh of the like six nine super athletic uh point forwards with great vision. Paolo has disappointed a little bit. It's it's Franz Franz has kind of been in the driver's seat of that offense, which has been interesting. I think there's kind of a, a dark web that believes that Franz is the long-term number one for that team. And it's definitely looked more like that than I'd expected. But the six nine facilitating wing who's really blown me away a couple weeks in or 10 days into the season is Scotty Barnes. Oh yeah. Scotty Barnes just is back. Uh yep. year two, like we said, was a half step backwards for him, much like the Tatum year two you just mentioned. And he's balling out. Um as we record this, he's like a quarter and a half into a game against the Sixers where he came out and scored 12 points in the first five minutes of the game. Um and he's just doing his weird gate at getting by whoever he wants dunking on people kicking it out for threes running pick and roll screening for guys i haven't seen much of his defense so i'm not going to comment on that i just know that he's filling the like you know he's filling the stat sheet on offense um yeah and looking like the palo bancaro honestly that i expected uh thus far yeah he just does so much on the court like i mean he's averaging about 20 10 and 5 right now on over 50 percent from the field 43 percent from three which i don't think that's gonna hold up if it does hold up he's got like top 10 player upside because of how much else he does on the court if he becomes a reliable three-point shooter that was really the the question with him coming out of school but Yeah, he looks incredible. It's a reminder to not panic on these sort of year two struggles that guys have because we see it all the time with guys who have impressive rookie seasons. That second year is not always a big jump. Sometimes it looks a lot like the first one. Sometimes it's a little step back. So it's a reminder to kind of take it easy with getting a little too far ahead on on guys' ceilings. But Yeah, he looks incredible in that game against Milwaukee the other night. In that first half, he just had complete control of the game, um, making interior passes in the half court, threes off the catch, off the dribble, like getting out in transition. He's just such a complete basketball player. And really the only question is that jumper, which to this point looks 
incredible this season. So he's been super impressive. And we've sort of mentioned a few times that we're keeping tabs on that 2021 draft class, especially that top five of Scotty, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs. We mentioned Scotty and Suggs. Cade Cunningham, another guy who uh, in the Pistons games I've watched this year has looked really impressive to me. Um, his partnership with Jalen Duran has been awesome. Duran, another guy who's looked fantastic this year, putting up kind of, you know, young, I don't even want to make comparisons, but he's somewhere between a DeAndre Jordan and, and young Dwight Howard level production right now. I don't trust him on defense the way I trust Dwight Howard in his prime, but he's been a hell of a role threat. And Cade Cunningham, I think is making real strides on offense. I'm not sure where his stats are now. When I looked the other day, he was around 25 points and, you know, six and six or something like that, but his shot looks good. He looks like he has command of the Pistons offense. They're like, you know, a reasonable team this year. They're not a dumpster fire. Like they've been in years past. I think Piston fans have a lot to look forward to between that and Jaden Ivy looking like he's making some strides as well. So in terms of the 2021 year three guys, I think both Cade and Scotty from that top five are look like they're taking real steps forward this year. Yeah. And when we talked about some of like the, the X factor players for each team several episodes ago this past summer, I mentioned beef stew, Isaiah Stewart as an interesting guy to look at um, in this Pistons rebuild just because I, I knew Duran showed enough that it looks like he's the franchise center uh, going forward. But Isaiah Stewart has found a place at the four for them because he's shooting four threes a game and he's at 44%, you know, this early in the season. But he's always shown shooting touch. I think actually a lot of scouts expected him to be shooting threes um, by now in the NBA. And he hasn't been above 33% yet in his career, but this might be the season that he finds his touch from beyond the arc, uh, which makes him an, an easy guy to fit next to Duran, who can move so well. Um, and obviously, uh, Cade needs shooters around him with um, as a ball dominant, like pick and roll engineer. Um, but yeah, I've been really impressed that uh, Stuart and Duran have been able to play together, crash the boards, complement each other um, as they have very different offensive games. But they bring they both bring toughness and defensive effort. So that might be that might be a front court pair moving forward for them. Yeah, and shout out to Asar Thompson too. He did have one of the worst misses you'll ever see a couple of days yeah. ago, where his air ball was like several yards short of the hoop. But aside from that. Uh, he's just looked like a great connective piece. Like uh, I comped his brother, Amen, to Andre Iguodala, but Asar has shown some Andre Iguodala tendencies as well, I'd say, just in terms of his ability to guard guys one-on-one. -on -one. Like, you know, Zach Levine did drop 51 on them, but there were a lot of possessions where Asar was matched up with him and got the better of him. Uh, same thing when he had some good reps against Devin Booker. Like he's just shown that he can go up against some of the star players in this league and, and kind of get the better of them on individual one-on-one -on -one matchups, yeah. which for a rookie is impressive. His athleticism yeah. is insane. His connective sort of connectiveness as a passer as well. So that K Duran Asar trio looks like a, a real sort of triumvirate of young guys going forward. We talked during our draft stuff about how hard it was to evaluate, um, the Thompson brothers coming out of overtime elite and just like how weird and casual uh, and on NBA, like their environment was last the last year or two. Um, but I think, and, and, and I maybe wrongly took that to assume took that to mean that they weren't ready for high stakes basketball. Um, and, and that like, I question their competitive natures um, when really Asar has shown that like the rebounding stats from overtime elite were legit. Like he, he rebounds really well for his position. Um, and when he was against the Blazers, it was clear to me, like he's not quite as athletic. He's not quite as explosive as Shaden, who's like a real outlier and he's not quite as skilled as Scoot. Um, but he has a really nice mix of, of, of those two traits and, he's playing harder than both of them put together. Mm -hmm. um, so I was really impressed by him. You mentioned Ivy. Ivy's minutes have been surprisingly uh, thin so far this year. I, I don't know why, because he's a spark plug for them. And 
his speed, like he might be the fastest guy in the league right now. I, I He's can't up there. I can't believe some of his drives. I can't believe the way he cuts to the rim. I think he like Cade needs him on the floor. Uh, and I hope that he plays more than he has so far. Yeah. I mean, per 36, Ivy's averaging 21 points, five assists. His three point shooting is has been good thus far on, on decently high yeah. volume. But yeah, it'd be nice for to open up some more minutes for him, but also like they want to it's a little the fit isn't perfect with him and Cade yet. So or at least they want some more reliable shooters. It's hard to play Cade, Ivy, Asar all at the same time, and Duran and Stewart. Like that's just kind of a weird lineup. So yeah. they've got some rotational stuff to figure out, but yeah, but yeah. the the Ivy stuff has been really streaky. It's all been in spurts. Like mm-hmm. against the Blazers, he was like one of six in the first half, and he finished the game with like you know he finished the game like making his last five shots. Uh-huh. And uh, it, it's been on and off. It seems like uh, it seems like Monty's faith in him ebbs and flows early, at least. But we'll see. Yeah. All right. From young guys to old guys, I was pretty bullish on the Warriors coming into this season as far as how many games they'd win. I think I had them as the three seed in the West and I've seen nothing to sway me from that. I think they're going to win a lot of regular season games this year. Uh, Chris Paul, I mean, their issue for years, even, even when they had KD was when Steph goes to the bench, their team would just like hemorrhage points. Um, And that's just not the case through the first week of the season, week and a half. Chris Paul's stabilized the bench. I tweeted out today that the follow us at Boris Dirk pod, by the way, that the Warriors are 19 and a half points or win nine by 19 and a half points per hundred possessions when Chris Paul's on the court. And they actually have been losing the staff minutes to this point, but we don't, we don't trust that to keep going because for his whole career, he's been a massive positive when he's been on the court. So if you combine like massive positive staff minutes with, positive Chris Paul minutes like that's a formula for I mean that's like just winning all the time basically when Steph's on the court and when he's off the court which they haven't really had since you know maybe their strength and numbers days back in 2015 like it's been a long time since they've had that real just sort of depth I actually went to the game yesterday against the Kings that they won with the Clay Thompson buzzer beater and like their bench unit just had a real cohesiveness they're a really good defensive unit with you know, Chris Paul's still KG and then Kaminga and Gary Payton and Moody are all solid. Sarich was playing really well for them. Like they just have a depth that they haven't had in a few years. And if you combine that with, you know, how good their starting lineup was last year, they're going to win a lot of regular season games. Now I'm less bullish on them in the playoffs. I think they're kind of small and lacking athleticism compared to some of the teams in the West, but I think they're, almost certainly going to be a top two to three seed. Yeah. I'm just, I was laughing because I just saw on ESPN that like Stephen A did a, did a bit today about <laughs> how Draymond needs to address like what's wrong with the team chemistry and like <laughs> his, his role in facilitating a toxic environment. <laughs> like the, the Warriors are four and one. <laughs> Jordan Poole has never looked more Jordan Poolish. Yeah. And Draymond and Draymond's looked great since like, I think he missed night one and like, was has been on a minutes restriction, but he's mm-hmm. he's looked really good in the minutes I've watched. Um, yeah. Draymond looks like Draymond. Um, so yeah, I'm st- I'm sticking though with my round one pick of four seed Thunder over five seed Golden State Warriors. So let's go over to OKC, uh, who look amazing. Kind of had a meltdown yesterday after dominating the first half against the Pelicans. Um, they threw the game away down the stretch, which is just going to happen with the young team. And it, it it might be the reason, you know, I was a little bit too bullish um, down the road, but uh, this year, but what what do you think from about the, the thunder stuff you've seen so far? Yeah, I, from what I've seen, and I honestly, I haven't been able to watch as much thunder as I'd like, even though I had them number one in my league pass rankings, just somehow it hasn't worked out, but I think Chet adds a dimension to them, which they just didn't have last year, which is what we expected. And he's, you know, adjusted very well for a first year player. And you often see that with guys who sit their whole rookie year and then come in that second year, like, you know, 
Ben Simmons, for all of his flaws now, was a very effective rookie. One of the better ones you'll see. Blake Griffin missed his first year and made an all-star as a quote-unquote rookie in his second year. Like, we see it. And Chet, he's efficient. He's just finishing plays, whether it's like spotting up for trail threes or getting lobs. Every once in a while, he'll flash like some of the kind of insane skill and agility he has for someone with his like body proportions. Um, Like if we didn't have Wemby in the league, everyone would just be kind of fawning over how Chet does what he does at his height and lankiness. Uh, But yeah, I love what I've seen. I only saw the first half of that Thunder Pelicans game live. I caught up just like watching highlights afterwards. But in the first half, they just looked kind of like the idealized version of themselves where it's this egalitarian five guys who can all dribble, pass and shoot or four guys in Lou Dort. And <laughs> they just it's just like it's extremely difficult to guard when you have three playmakers, the level of Shea, Giddy, and Jalen Williams, who can all drive, can all like physically abuse mismatches, can all push and transition. Even Chet can do that to a degree. And yeah, I'm feeling good about, I think I had him as the sixth seed, something like that. I'm feeling good about them being even above the play-in in the Western Conference as you had them. So they've been impressive for sure. Uh, Yeah, they, I'm just, I can't believe how many great players they have it's yeah. the simplest Even way to put it Taysom Wallace he's he's looked incredible yeah. so far he like hasn't missed I don't think yeah <laughs> yeah and he so he's and he looks like like the Davion Mitchell in their back pocket um like Davion uh Taysom Wallace could be important in a playoff series just mm-hmm. as another body to put on a really tough uh guard or smaller wing uh the east is gonna be chaotic uh I think Milwaukee I hope has- Milwaukee has looked shaky. Uh, I don't know how the Knicks and the Blazers have the same record. Uh, I texted you this last night, but the the Blazers are by far the worst two and three team I've ever seen. I can't believe we've won. We just won two straight games on the road. Do you have any Knicks thoughts thus far? Um, yes. <laughs> We're on every other year watch with Julius Randle, and uh, it's scary. We signed him in 2020. And he was kind of meh. Then he had the Randall Sans in 2021, dragged us to the four seed in a in a really inspiring season in that shortened post-COVID year. Home court playoff series. I went to game two. It was a beautiful thing, but he was pretty terrible in those playoffs. And then that next season was one of the most frustrating seasons I've ever experienced as a Knicks fan, watching him play. And I was totally out on him. And then last year, 2023, when we got Brunson, he came back and looked like a totally different player, like already, like not just playing as he did in his all NBA season, a couple of seasons prior, but doing it in a way where it wasn't just subsisting on tough mid-range jumpers. He upped his three-point volume, he upped his rim volume, his rebounding, all those things. This year's looking a lot like 2022. It's early, but it's, it's a little scary that he seems to be able to fall into just like being ineffective so easily. And I tweeted this as well, but his body language when he's not playing well is just terrible. He just turns into a complete, I call him a a loafer, a loaf when he's walking around the court. Uh, I'm just, I'm smiling like the Grinch over here. You're making all of my points for me. (laughs) It's so that's scary. Brunson has also started the year pretty cold. Um. Yeah, a a lot of guards I I realize I see have been struggling to score early. It's weird. Um, I mean, like the Cavs, whom I picked to go to be the two seed in the East, and you know, wait and see. I'm not too worried yet. Just have really struggled to put the ball in the basket so far. Um, Mitchell had like an insane opening night, and since then Garland's been hurt, Jared Allen's hurt, and they just haven't been themselves. Yeah, but I will say for the Knicks, I'm on. RJ mini leap watch. I think he's looked really good thus far this season. It's been our best offensive player. He seems to have made a bit of a leap in terms of his like decision-making in the paint and his finishing is better. His three-point shot looks good. Although that's always really streaky. He'll have, you know, a couple months where he's a 45% three-point shooter. And then a couple months where he's like a 20% three-point shooter. So that I think is always going to come and go, but 
if the rim decision-making stuff gets better, that's really going to take him to the next level. So he's looked good. Mitchell Robinson's had a great start to the year. I wish they'd get Quentin Grimes involved more, but overall, I think the Knicks will be fine. Uh, I'm also not totally sure how I feel about DiVincenzo, but now we're really getting into the weeds with them. Josh, Josh Hart's looked a little bit yippy. A little perspective. Mm-hmm. He doesn't yeah. he doesn't look quite like the Josh from the trade deadline on last year, but I think they'll settle in. Uh they, it really would have been nice for them to get both of those legs of the home and home against Cleveland, but that's just kind of tough to do mentally, I feel like, even though they were missing some guys. But yeah, yeah I'm not too concerned about them yet, but I, I do think you know, if, if Randall doesn't pick it up, they'll definitely be more likely to be a play-in team as opposed to a top four or five seed. Yeah, and play-in in this East is a failure with the with the money and short-term force that you put into building this team. Uh, it's just they're they're most of the bad teams in the NBA are in the East right now. I don't know what's going to happen with Miami. They're one in four, probably because Tyler Harrow's averaging like twenty-six a game. <laughs> Those things feel connected to me. Um, the Wizards are completely bad. I mean, Jordan, Jordan Poole, my blood boils. I'm not even a Wizards fan. And and every time I see him doing Jordan Poole things, I'm just, I thank my lucky stars that he's not a, a blazer, which easily could have happened this summer. Yeah. Uh, Puzma, Puzma in full effect. <laughs> it just does. It sounds weird. Uh, Hornets, they're not very good. Uh, they're just not going to be great this year. Although I, Brandon Miller has had a good start to the year. So yeah, shout out to him. He's looked good and appreciate a moment of appreciation for Terry Rozier. He's one of the forgotten, really solid players in the league. I feel like his when they first paid him, it was like five years, 95, something weird like that maybe four years, 90, and they took a lot of flack for it. And that's turned out to be a really good number for him. He's a consistently great three-point shooter. Uh, he can guard guys close enough to his size. I, li- I like Rozier a lot, and I was thinking about how he might fit into a really good team if he becomes a trade deadline guy. Um, but yeah, the Bulls are bad. Even with the Scotty Barnes renaissance, the Raptors could easily be bad. We don't know much about their new head coach yet. I'm not going to try to say his name yet. Although uh, I did see a video of him giving a speech to the team and it had me ready to run through a wall, I will say. Okay. All right. There you go. Well, Scotty needed some motivation. Um, but yeah, the East the East is a mess so far. I think the Knicks will be okay. That's, that's my gut. Uh, I'm proud for dying on the hill of stop think don't let you don't talk yourself into the idea that ben simmons can score again uh, <laughs> he's still doing all the cool ben simmons stuff but scoring has not returned um yeah and, and it's just yeah it's hard to imagine a really a really high ceiling for him offensively yeah. if he if he isn't a threat to put the ball in the basket yeah couple quick notes in the east uh first Early most improved player watch, or actually these are both most improved player watch guys. One is like the guy everyone knew was good, but is getting like to be a star. And the other is a total breakout. So the total breakout is Jalen Johnson on the Hawks. Uh, he's looked very impressive from, from the games that I've seen of him. He's uh, just a dynamic athlete, like as someone who's six, nine, he's an incredible leaper, super fluid uh, posterized both Isaiah Hartenstein and Josh Hart on the same play when the Knicks played them uh, a few weeks ago and his shot has been solid so far. So we talked when we were going through X factors with the Hawks and we were saying like, who's going to be that dynamic wing player for them between AJ Griffin, Deandre Hunter, Jalen Johnson, Sadiq Bay, like is someone going to step up into that like real high level starter role and Jalen Johnson thus far has flashed, an ability uh, to do that, that uh, I didn't see coming, coming into the season. Yeah. Yeah. And, and these are the guys that you need around a soft skilled superstar like Trey young. I just called him a superstar. It just came out of my mouth. I I want it back. Uh, Star star. Yeah. Yeah. When, when, uh, what, when John Collins was working in Atlanta, it's because he was doing the things that Jalen Johnson is doing now playing hard on defense, rebounding, um 
passing off the short roll. Jalen Johnson's a really good passer for his size. And he's just been more of the Aaron Gordon to their Jokic uh, than Sadiq Bey, who's another kind of finesse offensively oriented player. I expected Sadiq Bey to be a better defender coming out of Villanova. Uh, It just hasn't materialized for him on that end yet. Yeah, and just for context for the listeners, Jalen Johnson's averaging 13 points, eight rebounds, two assists, shooting over 60% from the field. So a lot of it is is yeah. dunks and stuff inside, which he gets with pretty good frequency. And then he's making about a third of his threes. So you'd like that to be a little higher, but for someone who was really not much of a factor at all the last couple of years, that's that's great. Um, and then the other yeah. one is Tyrese Maxey, who everyone's been talking about, but He's been, he might be the best guard that I've watched so far this year. Yeah. Like five key, he might be the guard MVP five games. Actually, Steph, Steph's been ridiculous, but, yeah. um, uh, Luca, if you count him as a guard. Yeah. Yeah. True. Maxi's been better than Dame. He's been better than Trey Young. I mean, he's been better than a lot of these dudes. Uh, I can't believe how good Maxi looks. His ability to make, to, to make decisions with the ball under control at maximum velocity is is almost one of one in the league right now. Like he and Ivy are the two guys who have reached like speeds on their drives this year where I've gasped, like sitting alone in my apartment. Uh, I, yeah, Matt Maxi's incredible. He's a one man fast break and he's like six foot two. Um, his shot is automatic. He's willing to shoot deep threes, which is just a way to get better looks as a smaller guard um just ask dame and yeah i i I, it's nice to see um there's a wholesomeness to maxi's two-man game with Embiid. like just maxi not having harden's ego i can tell that despite all of the turmoil despite mb just thinking when the fuck do i get a great number two who actually wants to play basketball uh maxi and and mb are having a lot of fun out there and yeah uh, Um, as a last note on the East, what's your concern meter on Milwaukee on a scale of one to 10? Not too high. Uh, I think I, I said, I thought they were going to be a worse regular season team. I picked them to be the three seed. I feel like most people had them in the top two. Um, I suspected there would be some of these growing pains, uh, I think the defense, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm worried about the defense. Cause I think the defense is just going to be like, a step worse than it than it's been the last few years um that's not going to change but uh dame is going to shoot better Giannis is going to score more i like Giannis has had a, a, a slow start for for Giannis standards um yeah and i and i i think they're going to slowly figure things out i i'm more concerned about adrian griffin jr uh-huh. than i am the roster um i just their their offense has looked a little bit uh, my turn, your turn with Damon Giannis. Then I wanted it too early. It makes sense, though, that they're going to need some time. I've seen Kate, Caitlin Cooper, friend of the program, uh, tweeted that like Griffin looks so far like he's coaching the team he wants versus the team he has. Um, mm-hmm. And I've definitely noticed some of that on the offensive end. Um, a little bit too much Dame isolation, which he loves, but I think you need to kind of um, push him push back against Dame's impulse to just ISO and dribble until the end of the shot clock, because that's when Portland's offense was the least fun to watch. Yeah. I think overall Dame has looked very good in the games that I've watched. I didn't see the one where he went like one for six, but I think his foul drawing gives them something they've never had in the past. His ability to perform in the clutch, like their clutch offense has just been so bad in the Giannis era. So I do think they'll get it together, but I do think they have a real weakness of giving up like drives on defense. And I'm not sure how they're going to address that if they can with the roster they have. So needs to be seen and stop turning the ball over. Also on the other side of the Dame trade, we got the Blazers. Uh, I've been a little worried about scoot. Uh, I'm not panicking at all. I just, I wonder if he's been hobbled by an injury. He's not talking about because he left last night's game with a quote ankle sprain when it didn't look like anything had happened. He's had a little bit less burst than I expected for him early. And that's why I've been saying like, maybe he's a little bit more CP three than Westbrook, um, which is totally fine with me. Honestly, mm-hmm. it would be great. Um, 
Shaden Sharp is really special. I The Blazers are so bad and Chauncey Billups doesn't know how to run an offense, but I really recommend if you haven't watched the Blazers yet, listeners, check out Shaden Sharp. Like his highlights are as juicy as it gets right now in the league. It's pretty crazy. And he's his signature move is slowly becoming the the up and under because of his insane hang time. He pulled one off against Embiid a couple nights ago that blew my mind. Like it was like, how is he still in the air and how is he able to get the ball on the backboard from this angle? Um, Other than that, not much to say. I want more from time Lord. Deandre Ayton is just Nurk on cocaine. I need more from Ayton. He's inconsistent. Some nights he wants to rebound. I think he might be a nice guy and that might be to his detriment. Um, But we don't need to talk about the Blazers. Uh, Yeah. The uh, we we mentioned the Mavs. Um, apologies again to Luca. I agree with you that they're not gonna <laughs> they're not gonna go eighty two and zero. I don't think Lively is gonna be an above average starting center as a rookie, uh, even though his opening night was awesome. And mm-hmm. I, I I I love Lively long term. Um, we just we just need Kyrie to get healthy again so he can uh you know fuck with the chemistry a little bit. <laughs> Luca Luca's so good that this team looks like a playoff team. Yeah. And Grant Williams has been awesome for them too, just sort of giving them that connective piece, three and D aspect. Yeah, I'm and I it was tough not seeing Luca in the playoffs last year because as I said on the last episode, I don't always love watching him in the regular season, but playoff Luca is just such a treat to watch him go toe to toe with with all the superstars in the league and look as good as I've seen anyone look in the playoffs as a young player. So yeah, I think that they're looking good. I'm, I think I had them at eight coming into the season. I'd probably adjust that a bit, but honestly the West is so crazy. Like we didn't, we haven't mentioned the Pelicans really yet who have been impressive, even though they're dealing with injuries to Trey Murphy, Brandon Ingram's missed a couple games. Zion, I don't think looks amazing yet physically, but has doesn't still... look amazing. He looks bad. I'm look, I he looks I, heavy. I, I promise you, I was gonna I was going to admit if 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 Zion showed up in Duke shape and was moving at a hundred miles per hour again, I would have been honest about it. Zion looks really bad. There were a lot of plays last night against the Thunder where it felt like he wasn't even getting to half court before like the play was over. Like, he's just like, I'm going to take this offensive possession off. I've been doing a lot. And when the, when, when he's involved in the play, he's still very efficient and his talent is still there. He's not in good shape. Like his body does not look good. He doesn't have, he doesn't have his explosiveness. Um, He's still a ridiculous mover for 6'6", 290, whatever he is, um, which was crazy to watch 6'6", 290 versus 7'1", 190 last night in chat. I'm worried about Zion as I've been since he entered the league. Um, But the Pelicans are going to be fine if they can just get healthy. Yeah. One of the, like, like all the talk has been about how few games Zion's played since he was drafted. Brennan Ingram is like a 50-game guy a year now. And he's already missed a couple. He did. He, and he's and he's not playing tonight. Uh, their game just started, and he was rolled out for the second game in a row. They just got to get healthy. I think Willie Green has coached the team for almost two hundred games, and he's had like fourteen games of Ingram plus Zion together on the floor. Um, yeah, it's hard to evaluate him as a coach. Um, they also need Trey Murphy back, and again, they pulled off the win last night shorthanded. So the Pelicans still have talent and depth. And they're still a threat to pretty much anyone except the Nuggets, in my mind, um, if they can get their good players on the floor. Yeah, uh, EJ Liddell, for instance. Um, but also their defense has been really impressive. Like Herb Jones is is playing yeah. really well. Dyson Daniels getting minutes. Like I think what, what they've been impressive in that they've been so successful with Zion not playing nearly to his potential – Brandon Ingram missing time, Trey Murphy not having played yet. Also, CJ looks a lot better this year. Like it seems he really had some injuries that were bugging him last year and he got those addressed in the offseason. So that's a team that I think, you know, with the usual caveat of if they can maintain a bit of health uh, is going to be a playoff team and and a really strong team, I'd say. Yeah. And with Valanchunas, Nance, Zion, Trey Murphy at six nine coming back soon. Like they just have a lot of big bodies and a lot of different looks they can throw at you. Um, 
They can go small. They can go big. They can go somewhere in between. Like the best version of the Pelicans is still one of the best teams in the league. Uh, yeah. I, I just, I'm not convinced we're going to get it. Um, yeah. yeah. I've got one last note and feel free to bring up more if you have more, but uh, I'm a little worried the East is the Celtics and everyone else. Like I, I expressed that I think Milwaukee is going to be okay if they can maybe figure out how to contain the dribble penetration, figure out the turnovers, which is hurting their defense too. But yeah, Celtics are, uh, they're kind of killing everyone that they play. <laughs> they haven't, they haven't had, I guess they had a game against Miami was close, but listen, dude, I told you this. The three point line is the worst thing that's ever fucking happened in this league. <laughs> One of my one of my favorite not so hot takes that I just hammer with all my friends is like, don't overreact to these weird scores. Like last night, it was like one fifty five to a hundred. When Dame put up seventy last year, it, it, Dame had an incredible year in Portland last year. But like when he put up seventy, I said, who fucking cares? Like I watched the game. It was like Kobe's last game. It was weird. It was a weird like. I'm going to shoot every time I go down the floor kind of game. It did not feel real at all. Um, the Celtics are for real. Uh, and the 155 is something, but it's also a night where Halliburton didn't play. Bruce Brown sucked and the Pacers quit like in the second quarter. Um, so I think they were on a back-to-back as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, the, the Celtics are really good. I just, my guess is that in a couple weeks, uh, the Celtics will have had a bad loss or two. The Bucks will have finally made some shots. And we're looking at um, a, a picture in the East that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. And I will say with the Celtics, I mean, going into the season, I mean, the key to everything is Kristaps' health. And he's a guy who gets hurt a lot. And if he gets hurt, suddenly they're the team they were last year, except they traded Brogdon smart and the two Williamses for holiday and nothing else. So if KP gets hurt, which he often does, then that's sort of my main concern with this team. I think some other things that maybe could become concerns is turnovers could be an issue for them. I haven't looked up where their turnover ranks were. They turned it over a lot in the first game of the year against the Knicks, but they have a lot of guys who I don't necessarily trust uh to be high level decision makers all the time like Tatum's okay at decision making Brown's a pretty high turnover player especially in the playoffs Porzingis is not a good passer Drew Holiday is a pretty questionable decision maker compared to I'd say what his reputation is and that so that could kind of be a team-wide issue and then the other thing is from what I've seen Jalen Brown's probably gonna have to make the biggest offensive adjustment of anybody on the team like Tatum's still the top guy it seems like KP has the full green light to fire away whenever he's open. So he seems to get a lot of shots up. Jalen Brown's the guy who kind of has to see where he fits in a little bit more as, as you know, what the second or third offensive option on this team. And maybe that's a better destiny for him, for them to ultimately reach where they want to go. But I'd say if anything derails them aside from Kristaps's health, it'd be the sort of passing turnover decision-making combo or Jalen Brown, just sort of the chemistry there being a little weird. And maybe that's yeah. wishful thinking, but. It's weird to get that contract and have a smaller role in the offense. Yeah. Um, it, like I mentioned, like the Jalen Johnson, Aaron Gordon, playoff stars, fly around wing tweener role. If like, it's weird if that's Jalen Brown's role for $50 million but it might be in the best interest of their team. And obviously it's a grueling long season. Even if Porzingis is healthy for the playoffs, there will be nights this year where Brown needs to take the load off Tatum's back uh, and be the guy he's been for a lot of the last couple of years. Um, Don't smile. Don't, don't kill my flow right now. Uh, But yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see. I also just have a sneaking suspicion as a, as a, a guy who comes from a family of Oregon Ducks fans that if the Celtics get over the hump this year, it'll be because Peyton Pritchard delivers <laughs> a little bit of like a poor man's Van Vliet in the 19 playoffs kind of performance. Ah. I, lo- I love Pritchard. Um, his size renders him a tough play in certain matchups. That's for sure. Um, 
And he isn't a Kyle Lowry type defender, even though he has the ass to become that someday. <laughs> uh, but Fritch, yeah, they're just, they're so fucking deep. And uh, I, I'm, this might be the year. I'm still not convinced that Tatum is enough of a psychopath to be the number one guy. Like the, I, I still like, I gun to my head. I'm still taking Kawhi, healthy Kawhi over healthy Tatum. Oh yeah. In, in a, in a playoff series. Uh, but no, it's a little bit crazy to say just cause Kawhi can't stay healthy. He's 32 Tatum's numbers in the playoffs. These last couple of years look ridiculous. I'm still taking Kawhi. Tatum has yeah. to show me. Tatum has to show me the playoffs where he does. He does what he did game six in Milwaukee two years ago. He needs to do that in an elimination game. Um, get his team to the finals again. Uh, I think to really to, to, to flip that narrative in my head. Yeah. Uh, I fully agree on the healthy Kawhi versus healthy Tatum, but no, I agree. And we'll see. Ho- uh, hopefully this season is not just Celtics nuggets and everyone else. Although honestly it's, it's felt a bit that way in the first couple of weeks, but I think it's going to normalize. I don't think they're going to, both those teams are going to keep like, you know, rolling as heavily as they have been. Uh, and some of these other teams are going to pick it up. And I think, you know, teams like the Lakers are going to find their stride a little bit. Milwaukee, um, Cleveland, Cleveland. So yeah, Whew. that those were all my thoughts on the first 10 days of the regular season. It was kind of a whirlwind and yeah. I'm hoping I can get a little bit of a better grasp on things as the year goes on, get a better feel for individual teams. But yeah, I've tried to just take in as much information through my eyes and ears as I can over the last 10 days. So the Pelicans are up 23 at half against Detroit. Uh, All right. 72 points in the first half for the Pelicans. They're rolling and it's weird. I I don't know. I don't know how to feel about them. Uh, this has been sick. I, I think there are fewer good teams than I'd expected, uh, but there are almost no bad watches right now. I feel yeah. like... Every single team has players that I'm interested in following. Um, yeah, it's been it's been crazy. Cam Thomas is averaging 28 points per game. Uh, <laughs> we're living in the upside down where Zach Collins is better than DeAndre Ayton. It's been the Boris Dirk podcast. We'll be back soon. Thanks for listening.